Cartoons, the animated frontier. These are the voyages of the Cellcast podcast. It's continuing mission to explore strange new cartoons, to seek out new animation styles and new creative storytelling methods, to boldly go where so few ever go again. of the Cellcast. Joining me today is a man that, even though it brings me no comfort to introduce him, Jacob. Yowzer! Jeez! <laughs> okay, I'm out of here. Trot, trot, trot. Slam! <laughs> okay, joining me now on the Cellcast <laughs> is my new favorite, uh, is my new co-host, the Lord Chamberlain. <laughs> yes! Anyway... <laughs> Why, thank you, I think. <laughs> Let me use our co-host, a man who just wishes he had wings. But I'm not a girl. I... <laughs> how she said it. I know that. <laughs> you laugh, but you don't know what description I put on this. Okay. Oh, no. On our live show, I put, Jacob and Drew review the Dark Crystal, even though they don't have wings. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything else. Oh, poor Gelfling. Ay, 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 yeah, ay. exactly. How are you doing, Jacob? <laughs> Let's see if I don't burst burst a bubble in my forehead. <laughs> burst a vein in my forehead today. Or burst into flames like your other half just suddenly fell into lava. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm too young to live. Die. You're too young to live. live. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow, the EDD's really coming through today. <laughs> anyway. Anyways. Notice I'm, I'm not marking this. This is all staying in. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing well. Doing well. It's been an interesting. It's like I said, post show or pre show. Sorry. Pre show. It's it's felt like it should be a Thursday, and it's only Tuesday. <laughs> I uh, understand that completely. It's, it's one of those weeks. So, yes, I'm doing swimmingly. How about you? It's the wrong episode to say you're going swimmingly. Yes. This isn't Finding Nemo. Agreed. We'll get, but anyway, we'll yeah, get there. But anyway, we'll do that eventually. We'll get there when we get um, there. Yeah, but I'm doing all right. It's uh, just, it's one, like you, it's been a long week and it's only Tuesday. But uh, yeah, all right. been, it's all good. All right, good deal. So uh, what have you been watching? What have I been watching? So this actually took me a few minutes to think of. So... I think this was a, I think this was a Sunday. Sunday, I was just kind of bored and kind of waiting in, in between, in between stuff. So I decided to throw on a movie that I've had for a couple of years. Haven't watched in a number of years. Called mm-hmm. Hard to Kill. Back in 1980, around the around the same time this movie was made. Right. It's a Steven Seagal film, and he plays a cop who is who is gunned down, but he falls into a coma. Uh, his wife, his wife is murdered, and his son is allegedly murdered. And so Stephen Seagal wakes from his coma seven years later into a new world of 19, 1990. and it's basically him taking revenge on a on a on a senator who discovered he was being recorded by C- by Stephen Seagal's character. And it's a yeah, it's it's just it's not a good movie. It's it's one of those very it's a 
it's a 1980s or 1990s um, just action schlock movie. Okay. And I remember watching it as a kid, really enjoying it. Thought it was a really cool story. Now as an adult with retrospect with retrospect behind us with the rose colored glasses completely thrown off exactly this is not a good movie <laughs> the fact that the director disowned it steven seagal is even disowned it because the both both the director and the actor didn't like each other huh. and it was one of those movies that had a lot more depth to it but due to the the 80s craze be like more action less talk so they they edited this thing down so like whittled it down to like just a little lump of cheese and everybody be like, Oh, here's your lump of cheese. You're going to enjoy. You don't care what kind of content it is. Just enjoy it. Right. And it's just, it's, it's, if you want a dumb, turn your brain off kind of film and watch people get kicked and blown up. That's a film for you. Okay. But what I recommend it to anybody, definitely uh, a younger crowd. No, absolutely not. There's violence. There's language. There's nudity. There's everything under the sun in this movie. And it's just it's just an awkward movie. It's really, really awkward. So I, I would not recommend it to unless you're just like a like a nineties junkie like some of us are. Right. That is all I've been watching for as I recall. Well, you may have watched a bad nineties action movie. Mm-hmm. I watched a very good uh early twenty twenties uh kung fu movie. Ah, It's currently still in theaters. Yes. And is the 25th movie in its series. Yes. I watched Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. How was that? Oh, it was good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's got, of course, it's Marvel movie elements. So if the formula is starting to drag on you, be advised it is there. Yeah. But at the same time, it is a kung fu movie. To the nth degree, they even they even uh, do a, a shout out to a movie we reviewed earlier this year on a different podcast. Which one? The one from January on Retro Rewind Show. Really? Yes. <laughs> there is a poster of Kung Fu Hustle. Really? With the the the, the woman on it. Oh wow! <laughs> okay. Uh. But yeah, I watched <laughs> Shang-Chi. It is a fun movie. Yeah. Uh, I will suggest if you want to... The only movie I would even suggest watching if you want to make sure you have mo- most of the backstory. Yeah. Even though this is not required in the slightest, go watch Iron Man 3. That way you'll at least understand who one of the characters is. Yes. But other than that, you can go watch this movie right now and without having watched any MCU and just... Enjoy it, because it's just that kind of a fun movie. Now, okay. the after credit scenes won't make a lick of sense mm. if you do that, but uh-huh. you know how it goes. Yes. Anyway, but that's pretty much all I have watched that I have not already talked about in weeks prior. I gotcha. I'm still working on, I've uh, been killing slimes for 3,000 years and maxed out my level. <laughs> it's a fun show. That's what I keep hearing. Yeah, from me. Yes. <laughs> Primarily. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much what I've been watching. What do we got in the news? All right. So I posted to our Instagram account. Early. You posted to our Instagram account? Yes. You remembered your password? Kind of. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> kind of. I'm, a- I'm able to link our link okay. to it. Okay. Yes. I will work on that. Hey, yeah, I, you're in charge of social media. If you can link our 
our page to, to the Instagram, go right ahead. All right. I will not stop you. All right. So Netflix and Legendary Television announced that Haley Atwell, also known, uh, very much known for Captain America and Mission Impossible 7, uh, as to voice... And what if? And what if Captain Britain? Well, she just was called Captain Carter. But anyway... Captain Carter. Carter, sorry. <laughs> for those who don't know, Captain Britain is a different character that she may or may not be playing. More on that when we get to finally releasing our what-if episodes. <laughs> when we get there. <laughs> When we get there, <laughs> as, we're not even on that show anymore. And we're still making that reference <laughs> as the voice of the video game venture Laura Croft in the upcoming anime series based on the Squ- Square Enix Laura Croft um, global franchise. Hmm. Uh, it's supposed to debut. I think uh, they haven't given a release date to it. All mm-hmm. we know is uh, it's being produced through Netflix. That's it. Netflix will release it when it's good and ready. Exactly. So it could be next year. Mm-hmm. Who knows? All right. So the next one would be a a movie. I think we. I don't think we even talked about. No, we did talk about we it. Ha- we did talk about it, but uh, we did not talk about it during the trailer episode because we had like just not much of a teaser even to go off of. So we didn't talk about. That it. is true. That is true. All right. A new trailer for. Locksmith Animation's debut feature, Ron's Gone Wrong. I was thinking you were talking about a different movie, but same difference. Okay. (laughs) All right. Uh, Uploaded a few days ago for 20th Century Studios, giving the audience an exclusive look at the mayhem to be expounded on this buggy, buggy, buddy comedy. The movie opening in theaters worldwide on October 22nd. That's all I have in the news. Really? What were you thinking? Nothing about Encanto? Oh, right. Because what you posted yes. made me think that you didn't actually read the article you linked to. So what in my defense <laughs> in my defense the page wouldn't load. So what you posted, I just gotta follow this for yes. you know, for, for for uh <laughs> preservation yes. purposes. Okay. You posted a, an article that the headline admittedly says Encanto to release in, uh, on Disney Plus on was it December 31st or Christmas, I think? Yeah, somewhere around there. And you posted as the thing on our show, on our, uh, as a comment, mm-hmm. on our, is like, this is extremely frustrating. I took it the way you thought it was too, because yeah. I, I didn't get a chance to read it. I saw a different article, like, that came out, like, in the last day or so after your yeah. article came out and said, oh, it's going to be releasing on, you know, Christmas Day. 30 days after it's had a theater exclusive run. Cause I yeah, saw the thing about that. Disney that's that's said, what I also learned later. I saw the thing where Disney said all of their movies are releasing in theaters exclusively mm-hmm. till the end of the year. Thank you. But then I got to thinking about your post. <laughs> so I went back and I, I actually posted on there. I put my comment on there. It said, uh, this is actually after 30 days of being theater exclusive. Yeah. I didn't know that. At the time. And then I looked at, and then I thought, you know, I wonder, Go up. I didn't actually read Jacob's article. Click. Technically, it was my article. I just copied you from. Found. from the I found the article. You posted. Yes. I go. Huh. It says here <laughs> it will have a 30-day exclusive window in theaters before going to Disney Plus. Yes. I don't think Jacob was able to read this article. No, I wasn't because the page wouldn't load. <laughs> so that has been my week. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Put up fires because some guy's saying something wrong. <laughs> So if was, anybody read I was that, not it's like out fires. I was, I was making sure what we were saying was clear, and that yes. 
I was posting a re- is it a recant? Yeah, it's a recant. A recant. I was recanting your message in in the comments. Nobody bothers to read. Yeah. Currently. Anyway. Yes. Anyways. <laughs> That's all the news. That's all the news. Then we need to get into the spoiler-free section of yes, our review of agreed. the Dark Crystal before things go even crazier. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> So, uh, this is actually my second viewing of the movie. Okay. My first viewing was just a little over two years ago, I really? think. In a theater. Mm. Let me help you with that. Mm. Frank does it better. We'll get to that. Uh, okay. <laughs> we will get to that. But, um, I saw it about two years ago. I had seen Labyrinth, or part of Labyrinth before that point, but I hadn't had a chance to find this movie at that point in time. Yeah. And it just happened to be that Fathom Events was showing it in Longview. Okay. So I drove to Longview between church services. Oh, yeah. That was a long drive for an hour and a half movie. I'm just going to let you know. (laughs) I spent more time driving there and back than I did watching the movie. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) I watched the movie. I remember enjoying it. I remember thinking this is a little weird, but it's a thinker. It makes it's it's a little artistic. Yeah. It's not quite what I expect from Jim Henson, because for the most part from Jim Henson, I expect Muppets. Yeah. This is not Muppets. This is not even uh, Fraggle it's... Rock or what's the other what's the other big show he did that was... Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, this is... Animatronics. <laughs> yeah, this is like... Oh, this is... I remember... I, I knew very... I almost knew nothing about the movie going into it other than, oh, this is the other non-Muppet... Mm-hmm. Pop, uh, movie that got made that yeah. Jim Henson got made besides Labyrinth and I went and go and I I was about three quarters of the way through the movie and I go I don't think I've seen any humans yet <laughs> nope there's no humans in this interesting but, and, but uh, I remember I enjoyed it. it it was I had a good time and then I came home mm-hmm. this viewing I was a little more critical <laughs> since I knew what was going to happen <laughs> right okay there's some interesting things about this movie yeah but it's still a very well done movie if if you i'll put it this way if for some reason you've seen the sequel series age of resistance or technically it's a prequel series but didn't watch this Mm -hmm. i'm gonna say watch this if you're like me and you haven't seen hadn't seen either one because i still haven't seen age of resistance yet and you are watching and you want to know if you want to watch this i say watch this it is safe for kids to watch yeah nothing really bad happens here it's it's it kind of has that uh Black Cauldron kind of a feel to yeah. it, but with puppets. Yeah, age of it's basically the 80, 80s age of swords and sorcery kind yes. of movies. It's it is interesting. Uh, I think kids will watch it. Whether kids will actually stay glued to the television, that's another matter. It depends on your yes. kids. But uh, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed the movie, and I highly suggest it. Nice. What are your spoiler-free thoughts? Okay, so. The thing I brought up at the very beginning, the top of the show, this is my first time watching this film. Mm-hmm. And some people are like, what? You've never seen The Dark Crystal? It's like, no, I have never seen this movie before. Uh, I had heard about it. Uh, I think as a child, seeing little previews to it, this is weird. Mm-hmm. And like like you said, be like, is this puppets? They don't act like puppets. <laughs> no, I knew they were puppets. Yeah. I just got they're, to they're, oh. they're highly articulated puppets. We've... we've- we're halfway through the movie. I've everything is rubber and felt. <laughs> <laughs> but 
no skin whatsoever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would've been weird. But I I enjoyed the film. It's like Drew said before. It's very art artistically driven. Uh, it's enjoy. It's very odd. It's very weird. Uh, definitely like a lot of films like that came out during this era during the eighties. And uh, oddly enough, it came out like uh like twelve days before I was born. <laughs> oddly enough. <laughs> In America. Three years for me, but yeah. anyway. Yeah. So, as a child, I think I saw previews to it, like I said before, and thought it was just weird. And I don't think my dad would ever gone for it. It's like, that just looks weird. But I thought it was enjoyable. Mm-hmm. It was fun. It's artistic. It's got a lot of really great world building, and I'll get into yes. that later. So will I. But it's just, it's got these little problems here and there that it just, like, make you go, and yeah, we'll get into those a little bit later on. But is it family friendly? Yes. Is is it dark and kind of spooky and just like might scare a kid? Maybe, <laughs> just maybe. But yes, family friendly altogether. Uh, I just don't be like if you have kids that are like if it's like scary, like has scary points. Mm-hmm. This movie is going to have them definitely with our uh, antagonist, right. but. Yeah, so other than that, it's like, yeah. Uh, yeah, that is my spoiler-free talk on this subject. All right, well then join us on the other side of the bumpers and we will get to spoiling this thing. Don't forget that you can download... Download? Don't forget that you can't... Uh, don't forget that you can... Listen to us record the podcast live every Tuesday over on our Facebook page, The Cellcast, our uh, Twitch channel, The Cellcast Gaming, and on YouTube at Cellcast. Also, don't forget to join our Patreon if you would like to support us monetarily. At $1, you'll get our everlasting thanks. At, at our $5 tier, you can get some artwork from Jacob. And at our $10 tier, you can get bloopers for every for, for every episode we've released that I've remembered to release them for and you can get commentaries from different movies so come check us out over there if you would like to support us financially this podcast is part of the culture box media network for more great content like this go to the website in the description there you will find other great shows such as geek devotions which is a collaboration of devoted geeks that are devoted to letting people know that they are loved they produce a weekly geek culture infused devotional their podcast, Com Talk, and written articles, all designed to encourage and challenge people in the geek community, bridging the gap between their faith and their geekdoms. You can find their content specifically at geekdevotions.com. Do you like trivia shows but wish you could stay a little longer with the contestants? Do you wish that if those contestants didn't know the answer from memory, they could Google the answers? Do you love finding out how many of certain objects fit between the Earth and the Moon? And do you want a game show that is completely unfair? Then might I suggest The Raw Quiz Show, where Ryan Ashley Wall pits and competes against five different combatants each season to see who is the true trivia champion. And you can find it over at Pop Americana, which the podcast you're listening to is also a part of. Go to the link in the description to find out more. The following is a spoiler-filled review for the movie The Dark Crystal. Listener discretion is advised okay so because of how interwoven the crew people and the cast people are because of the way this movie was made 
I'm kind of just, this is going to be a little bit different cast list. All right. Just giving you a heads up. Anyway, Jim Henson was the director, writer, the performer, and the performer of both Jen and the High Priest. And of course, Jim Henson, you know, he's the creator of the Muppets. Yes. And he's the perform, mostly known for being the performer and voice of Kermit the Frog. Hi-ho. Jen was voiced by Stephen Garlick. And in something called The Tomorrow People, he played a character named Quan. Okay. Jerry Nelson was the voice of the High Priest and the Dying Emperor. Hmm. And he was the performer and voice of Kermit's nephew, Robin. Ah. In the Muppets. Frank Oz... The, was the director was was also the director of this movie along with being a perf- the performer of Agra and the Chamberlain. Mm. You know I can't get to that right now. <laughs> he's also the voice. He's also also the performer and voice primarily. Well, he's he's known as being the performer and voice of Yoda from Star Wars and oh. Miss Piggy. I'm I just love the contrast there. <laughs> yes, I love you, Piggy. Or I- Kermit. <laughs> That's staying in. <laughs> uh, Billy Whitelaw uh. was the voice of Agra, and she played Boyce Cooper in Hot Fuzz. Okay. Barry Denon was the voice of the Chamberlain and the Podlings, and in Fiddler on the Roof, he played Mendel. All right. David O'Dell was the screenplay writer for this movie, and you want to take a guess what 80s movie he also wrote the screenplay for that you have a... Like of the property? I don't know. Back to the future? Nope. What? Masters of the Universe! Oh, okay. He wrote the live-action screenplay. Oh, yay. I (laughs) I really love that movie. Not really. But I saw that on there. It's like, I have to mention the worst worst adaptation of a cartoon ever made. Oh, there's worse. There's I know, but still, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. Uh, Catherine Mullen was the performer for Kira. And she is also the performer for Camilla the Chicken, okay. along with many other chickens on The Muppet Show. <laughs> Lisa Maxwell was the voice of Kira, and uh, she played a character named Tracy Donovan in Holly Oaks, mm. whatever that is. Dave Goals was the performer for Fizzgig and The General, mm. and he's the voice and performer of Gonzo the Great. Mm. Or, sorry, the Great Gonzo, that's how you say his name. Percy Edwards was the voice of Fizzgig. Mm. And in Labyrinth, he plays Ambrosius. Interesting. Michael Kigariff was the voice of the general. And in the original run of Doctor Who, from okay. nineteen from the 1960s to the 1980s, you know, the ent- almost the entire original run, he was the voice of the Cybermen. Really? All of the Cybermen. Wow. Steve Whitmire, who was the performer and voice of the, of sci- of the scientist, uh, Vulture dude, I can't think of the name of that, that racist call right now. Skeksis. Skeksis. The scientist Skeksis. Um, he is the second performer and voice of Kermit the Frog. Kermit the Frog here. <laughs> Brian Meal was the voice of the ornamentalist and the dying perf- and the dying master. He was per- a performer and voice of both. Hmm. And he was a writer on the Magic School Bus. Huh. Interesting. Yes. And getting into our Kingdom Hearts connections... Absolutely. Positively. None at all. You couldn't find one shred. Not even a microscopic link. Wow. Every time, every search I did, it came up with zilch, zip, zipola. (laughs) Okay, then. 
admittedly there wasn't music to pull from. It was just generally where I, where it gets me. But anyway, I got you. So info and stuff. All right. So info and stuff. Uh, you were able to watch this on Amazon Prime Video and YouTube for I think it's two ninety nine and three ninety nine. Uh, some say it's oh it's on Netflix. No, uh, the Dark Crystal Rise of the Resistance is on Netflix. Yes. So I'm actually surprised the actual movie is not on there. It was on there for a time, but it's I think it's it's license lapsed. But either way, Sony doesn't have a place to play that sort of stuff because they don't have their own service. So that is true. Not outside yet. of Crackle, not that anyone pays attention to Crackle. True. But anyway. All right. So production was done by ITC Entertainment, uh, Henson Associates, distributed by Associated Film Distribution, Universal Pictures, the United States, and UIP are the universe are United Universal Pictures for the UK. Its release date was December 13th, 1982 in New York City, December 7th of the same year throughout the United States, and February 17th for the UK. Its box office, having an estimated budget of $14 million, or $15 million, sorry, it had a opening weekend, was kind of abysmal. Um, it had a opening of $4.6 million on December, or the weekend of December 19th. It's gross for the United States and Canada was $41.6 million. And worldwide had the exact same thing, or had a little bit more. So, yes, it made its budget back. That's good. All right, home release. The Dark Crystal was released on VHS, Baymax, and CED. That's Capacitance Electronic Disc. A precursor to... Well, not a precursor. It was actually uh, RCA's attempt to make what Laserdisc ended up being. Okay. But because of all the issues that they had getting that made, it actually released after Laserdisc and failed miserably. All right. But... The Henson group like to put stuff out on it because they also put out like the Muppet movie out on it. Great Muppet Caper out on it too. Really? Yes. All right. Uh, it was released on video in 1983. Um, it was released. Uh, it was released through HBO Video release on VHS in 1988. Also with a wide re- wide screen release on Laserdisc at the same time on. July 29th, 1994, Jim Henson Video, through Disney Bonavista Home Video, re-released the film again on VHS and widescreen Laserdisc on October 5th, October 5th, 1999, uh, with Columbia TriStar and Jim Henson Home Entertainment giving the film one, v- one more VHS release and for the first time DVD. Uh, for a collector's edition in November 25th, 2003, and a 25th anniversary edition in 2007. It was also released on what is called UMD, Universal Media Disc. For the PlayStation Portable. Yes. I had some it's like of those. It's like, like, like you're reading my notes. <laughs> I just know what a lot of these formats are because I have an interest in these things. Understood. Uh, it was released on Blu-ray. Uh, that was released on uh, in 2005. It was released on Blu-ray for the first time. Uh, or yes, uh, in 2009. 
Another edition, uh, anniversary edition of Dark Crystal was announced in 2017 with brand new restoration of the original cam- camera negative and was released on Blu-ray, 4K Blu-ray on March in March of 2018. Uh, prior to its release of a 4K Blu-ray, uh, Fathom also restored the print in the UK, in the, in the United, UK United States cinema uh, February 25th through... The 28th in 2018, which I remember you went and watched. That's the one I went and watched. Yes. All right. So apparently there was a sequel, but it was never made. (laughs) Debatable. Yeah, debatable. Technically, neither Frank Oz nor Jim Henson ever uh, said they were intending to make a sequel to this movie. Yes. But there there has been throughout the years a, a project called The Power of the Dark Crystal that has been in development in Hades for years. Yes. Uh, let's see. During the development phase of the Dark Crystal, director Jim Henson and writer David O'Dell discussed ideas of a possible sequel. Almost 25 years later, O'Dell and his wife uh, pieced together what O'Dell could recall of the discussion to draft a script for The Power of the Dark Crystal. Uh, <clears throat> they hired a director a director to produce in 2006. Uh, they were going to go through a company called uh, Orphan Animation Studio in California. However, facing uh, they face uh, considerable delays. The, the Jim Henson Company announced a numerous uh, significant changes in 2010 in a press release. Um, it was being switched over to another company, and it was getting a new writer. Um, let me think and me like, and then originally by that point they were going to release it in uh stereo stereoscope 3d, uh, during a museum of the moving image on September 18th, 2011. Uh, Jim Henson's daughter revealed the project was yet again in hiatus by February, 2012 Omni lab media and the Spurrow brothers, had parted ways with Jim Henson kind of due to the budgetary restraints. Production on the film has suspended definitely in May 2014. Uh, Lisa Henson confirmed the film is still in development, but has yet to be in pre-production. Ultimately, the plans for the film have ultimate plans for a feature film were scrapped, and the unproduced screenplay was adapted into a 12-issue comic book series power of the power of the dark crystal by archie comics and boom studios in 2017 mm-hmm. well it's okay yes uh going into not a sequel but rather a prequel mm-hmm. all right so announced in may 2017 the jim henson company in association with netflix would produce a prequel series titled the dark crystal the age the age of resistance uh, shooting began in the fall of 2017, and the prequel was written. Uh, or it was written by a bunch of people. The series premiered uh, August 2019. Uh, there are ten seasons, and explores the world of the original film. And apparently, they are in production of a second season. As far as I, I'm, I thought the second. Okay, I could be mistaken there. Admittedly, my information is also rather old, so I could okay. be wrong. Okay, so, I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. Agreed. All right, so that's all I have for an info and stuff. All right, getting into the summary. Now, before I start this one, you know I kind of steal the uh, summary off the plot synopsis on Wikipedia. Yes. The plot synopsis on Wikipedia is uses terminology found in 
the novelization, which is used later on in Age of Resistance, to my knowledge. Yes. But it's not used in the film we watched. So okay. Bear that in mind. Yes. A thousand years ago on the planet Thra, two new races appeared when a shard was shattered for, from the Crystal of Truth. The cruel Skeksis, who, who used continued corruption of the crystal to extend their lives. And the gentle Uru, more commonly known as Mystics, who make their home in the Valley of Stones to await their destiny. The leader of the Mystics, the Master Ursu, raises a young Gelfling named Jin, whose clan was slaughtered by the Skeksis. At the, as the great conjunction of Thra's three sons draws near, a dying Ursu instructs Jen to fulfill a prophecy to heal the crystal by first retrieving the shard from Agra. As Ursu passes, the Skeksis Emperor Skexo also dies, leaving the position for the leader vacant. The Chamberlain, Skexel, and the Gartham Master, Skekung, challenge each other in a trial by stone. For succession, resulting in Skekung defeating Skeksel. Skeksel is stripped of his robes and banished, while Skekung is proclaimed the new emperor. When the Skeksis learn of Jen's existence, they send their army of giant crab-like Garthim to capture him, with the cunning Skeksel following. Jen meets Agra and enters her Ori, which she uses to predict the heavens, and she explains that the conjunction before having Jen select the correct shard. Before Agra can explain Jen's mission, the Garum arrive and destroy the Ori, taking Agra prisoner as Jen flees. Hearing the call of the crystal, the mystics leave their valley to return to the castle of the crystal. On their journey through a forest swamp, Jen meets Kira, another surviving Gefling. The two learn that they two learn most about each other when they accidentally dream fast, sharing each other's memories. They stay for a night with the podlings who raised Kira, only for them and Kira's pet Fizzgig to flee from the Garethim raid the village. They are nearly caught, but Skeksel intervenes, keeping the Garum from, from pursuing them. Jen and Kira discover a ruined Gef Gefling civilization with ancient writing describing the prophecy. When single shines the triple sun, when what was sundered and undone shall be whole, the two made one by Gefling hand or else by none. They are interrupted by Skexel, who reveals the prophecy was the reason for the Gelfling genocide, while trying to trick them into coming with him to the castle. But the Gelflings run off and reach the castle on Landstriders, intercepting the Gartham that attacked Kira's village. While trying to flee the captured podlings, Kira, Jen, and Fizzgig descend to the castle's dry moat, revealing Kira has wings, and use the catacombs to gain access. But they are inter intercepted by Skexel, who attempts to drag them to the other Skexus, while they, while they refuse him further. Jin stabs Skexel's hand with the shard in defiance, which leads to his mystic counterpart, Ursul, to re receive a similar wound on his. And Skexel, in a fit of rage, buries Jin in a cave-in and takes Kira. Skexel is reinstated as Chamberlain and gives Kira to the scientist, Skektek, to be drained of her life essence for the Skexus to drink and regain their youth. Agra, imprisoned in the scientist's laboratory, tells Kira to call the captive animals for help. They break free in response and free Kira while causing Skektek to fall down the, the crystal shaft to his death. At that moment, his mystic counterpart, Erti, vanishes in a burst of flame. Agra frees her, herself soon after Kira leaves and before Jen arrives. The three sons begin to align as the Gelflings reunite at the crystal chamber and the Skeksis gather for the ritual that will grant them immortality. When they are discovered and the Gartham attack, Jin leaps onto the crystal but drops the shard. Kira t takes it after Fizzgig is thrown down the shaft by Skekung, but is saved by Agra shortly 
after. Kira throws the shard back to Jen and is fatally stabbed by the ritual massacre Skekzok. The heartbroken Jen plunges the shard into the dark crystal, fulfilling the prophecy. The Gartham disintegrate and the podling slaves regain their essence while the dark stone covering the castle crumbles away to reveal a crystalline structure. The Uru arrive and use the crystal to merge themselves and the Skeksis into the beings they once were, the angelic Urskeks. The Urskeks leader explains to Jen that they had mistakenly shattered the crystal a thousand years ago, splitting them into two races and decimating Thra, and that Jen's courage and Kira's sacrifice have restored them. The Urskeks revive Kira in gratitude and then ascend to a higher level of existence, leaving the crystal of truth to Jen and Kira on the now rejuvenated Thra. A lot of tongue-twisting terms. Yes, I am so thankful you read it and not me. Exactly. Getting into the trivia. In February 1978, Jim Henson and his daughter Cheryl found themselves stuck at an airport hotel uh, when Kennedy Airport was struck by a snowstorm. They worked out the details of this movie's world on numerous sheets of hotel notepaper. The notes became inspiration for a screenplay. Working on the movie didn't begin in earnest until 1979 after the completion of the Muppet movie, which was shot in Los Angeles, California. This movie was shot in England back-to-back with The Great Muppet Caper. Jim Henson's plan with this movie was to get back to the darkness of the original Brothers Grimm fairy tales. He felt that children liked the idea of being scared and that this was a healthy emotion for them with which to deal. Early drafts of the script featured Jen and Kira traveling through the underworld where they encountered a race of underground mining creatures. This concept was later integrated into Fraggle Songs, a musical history of Fraggle Rock, 1983. Yes. Pre-production work revolved around Brian Froud's designs without a finished script. When Froud originally presented Jim Henson with concept drawings for the crystal, Henson seemed perplexed. When Froud asked why, Henson said he had no idea what the designs were for. Froud had misunderstood Henson during early production conversations. His, Henson intended to call the movie The Dark Chrysalis, mm-hmm. referring to the Skeksis dominance over the world. Henson, however, loved the concept art and integrated the idea of the crystal into the storyline. At the time it was made, it was hailed as the only live-action movie in which a human character makes no appearance, with the exception of some wide shots of the Gelflings. It would have, it would have been the first live-action movie where no human actors had appeared. This remained until the live-action Lion King movie came out. (laughs) Yeah. Ain't that a downside? Yes. Conceptual designer Brian Froud was behind the look and feel of virtually every aspect of production, from creatures and landscapes right down to the font of the opening title. In total, it took up five years of his life. The Gartham costumes were so heavy that the performers had to be hung up on a rack every five minutes to rest while still in costume. Although there were nine of them, the Skeksis were originally based on the seven deadly sins. Skekshad represented avarice. Skeksel represented envy. Skekayuk represented gluttony and sloth. Skekekt represented lust. And Skekzok represented pride. And Skekung represented wrath. The two outliers were Skekna and Skektek. And I don't know who any of those people are. <laughs> because I don't think of them in these terms. I think Chamberlain. Yeah. General scientist the one that thought he was going to be emperor but didn't bother to take place to take part in the in the trial by stone yes <laughs> the name which jim henson came up for the planet on which the movie takes place was mithra when some people thought this sounded too much like a persian god the name was changed to Nithra and then finally shortened to thra 
Although the name is never mentioned in the movie, it is widely used in subsequent sequel novels, as well as the TV series The Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance. Jim Henson personally trimmed 20 minutes from this movie after a disastrous preview in San Francisco, California. He also ordered many of the character voices redubbed to eliminate some of the invented character languages, making this movie more accessible and the plot easier to follow. It was Frank Oz's idea for Kira to have a pet, Fizzgig, similar to Miss Piggy's little dog, Foo-Foo who at this time had recently been added to The Muppet Show, 1976. Jim Henson's only, only reluctantly agreed because he did not like repeating himself. The little hairy things that crawl across and that the creatures eat are modified wind-up toy robots mm -hmm. that run like crazy on two legs as a round rolling central body that houses the wind-up motor. The wind-up key was removable. Originally, the, Skex, the Skexis and Mystics were supposed to speak in their own alien language the Skeksis version being a more crude version of the mystic language, and Dave O'Dell developed words for the actors to speak on set. Ultimately, the only word in the Skeksis language that remains in the movie is Hakshika, meaning judgment by stone. After the first test screening, British science fiction writer Alan Gardner was brought in to write an opening narration for, the mo for this movie, and O'Dell had to translate his Skeksis dialogue back into English all the while making sure the lines match the creature's mouth movements on screen. Jim Henson's brief to designer Brian Froud for the Skeksis was that they should resemble crocodiles living in a castle, which Would is ironic because they look like vultures. Agreed. The novelization by A.C.H. Smith features several scenes in which the Skeksis are accompanied by a choir of podling slaves singing for them. This slave choir can be seen in the background during the opening scene, though they are not heard. In the TV series Dark Crystal Age of Resistance, a group of podling musicians can be seen playing an organ for the Skeksis at their request. Last but not least, the Skeksis creatures were later reused as the Halogians in Farscape Out of Their Minds from 2000. Really? Yes. And that brings me to the end of the trivia. So, Jacob, I suspect I know what your first one is, but I'll let you say what your first like of this. The world building. I had a feeling because that's yeah. my number one also. Yeah, the world building in this movie is fantastic. The... Like when you're writing it, when you've, if you ever try to attempt writing a world, because they're always saying, be like, yeah, you can write characters all day long, but you need to write, a, you need to create a world. And Henson and like the entire team does an amazing job. Be like, you have this grand understanding of what this world is, who the people are, the creatures on this world, the, like everything in this world is, is probably not everything is playing down to a T. But there's so much detail in every little nook and cranny. And it's 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 a wonder they never did a sequel. I mean, obviously, I went through... They, there was a sequel possibly in production, but it was never fully realized. Apparently plenty of novels. Yeah, apparently plenty of novels. But just the, the overarching creativity of this world and the lush ideas and concepts they come up with, like... You know, this is this is Jim Henson we're talking about. So we have creature effects beyond the wazoo, and there's so much of this incredible world building and creature design and everything. To the relation between the Skeksis and the Mystics is just incredible. I'm like, whoa, okay, that's a lot more detail than I expected. I'd be like, there, there was, there's a certain show that's currently out, and uh, it's new. It's a newer series. And they just revealed a villain from the first season that was came out in 1993. 
And the explanation to why this villain is back is, oh, we resurrected him from a from his his dark his darker his the the age when he was the darkest. That's the only explanation they give. What show is this? Power Rangers Dino oh. Fury. <laughs> I, I had to bring that up, and it's like, really? I, That's the worst excuse I have ever heard. You you you. They point- found. A, I'm guessing they found a way to bring back Lord Zed, even though he'd been turned good. Yeah, exactly. A- apparently, apparently they. Well, I mean, if you we're a we're talking about Power Rangers. Yes. B. <laughs> At least they put that much work into it. Yeah, that's true. That's actually good for them. Yeah. <laughs> most, most of the time they just give one line and that's it. Yeah, apparently. Apparently that's like one line. It's like, oh, we reincarnated him at his, they brought, they brought him back from his, like his, his worst ever. And I'm like, that makes no sense. Time travel. <laughs> yeah. Even though they don't from before, explain. From before the Z wave. Apparently. We're getting off topic. Yes, we are. <laughs> I thought it'd be an interesting little something to bring up at some point, but either way, uh, the fact to be like the, uh, the world of the dark crystal is so tremendously dense and lush, just full of detail. And I absolutely just love it. It's just like, this is so cool. Definitely for someone who wants to create their own world and more like comic book world. But yeah, that's, it's really inspirational. It's like, wow, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of really great detail. And I love it. So yeah, the world building is my first like also because good night is there a ton of it. Yes. Uh, like we said, there is not a single human on set. Well, they're on set, but I yeah. mean, they're not in shots. Right. Most of the time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, they are, I mean, so to come up with this entire alien world, the logic, it's all behind it and to the point where you don't even question. No. What is happening? You might question some characters' intelligence, but you don't question. <laughs> you don't question what they're you're being told about all this because uh, every because it, it makes sense. Okay, they killed all the Gelflings because a uh, a prophecy a prophecy told them the Gelflings were going to uh, cause everything to come back. Okay, I I agree with that. Uh, what's the other good thing Gelflings were? Well, it, we can drain them of their essence and turn them in and turn them into the slaves and that'll give us a lot better use than these podlings are giving us. You know what? I can understand that. Yeah. You kind of bit, you kind of hoisted yourself up by your own petard there. Yeah. Um, and I mean the whole, th- even down to the fact that female gelflings have wings. Yes. And it should be obvious <laughs> to everybody. More on that later. Yes. Uh, it's one of the oddest lines in this movie. Yes. Agreed. You have Kira. What? You have wings. wings. Of course. I don't have wings. That's because you're not a girl. <laughs> sure. I'll go with that. But I mean, the logic behind all this stuff, even yeah. though they don't explain uh, a whole lot, you can yeah. tell they know what's going on. They know yeah. why all this stuff's happening. At least yeah. the writers do. Yeah. So there's never a point in there where I feel like, well, a lot of times in world building, you can suspend your disbelief up to a certain point. Most people will kind of forget a couple things and you're just supposed to accept it. There's not that in this movie. Yeah. The entire world is like, you can logically follow it. Maybe it's just because I've only watched it twice and not put a whole lot of extra thought into it. But I can't think of any hole in the world building uh, to any of this. Because mm. anything that's like, because I mean, at the beginning they, they say, you know, there uh, these two species appeared when the crystal shattered. And, I'm th- and I remember thinking at first, okay, 
Where'd they come from if they didn't show up till the crystal shattered by the end of the movie? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's the closest thing to a plot hole. And they don't even touch it on it <laughs> no, until the very end of the movie. And then the, you get that last scene and they're and the the I know they call them the Gelflings. It's not what they're called. No. That's a different race. The Skeksis are yes. being forcibly backed into their <laughs> mystic counterparts. <laughs> it's like, oh, I kind of, I kind of caught this when yeah. Chamberlain got stabbed and the Mystic got in it, got the same injury, and when the others, uh, Skeksis fell into the lava and <laughs> poof, just random. I just, I remember thinking that is a random thing to happen. Yeah. Oh, that's oh, there's a connection. Yeah. Like they have the same soul or something. They're the same being but split between two bodies i follow this this is making some sense so it makes sense oh at the very end there they come recombine into the same thing much like the shard turning the uh recombining with the crystal i still don't know what the crystal is yeah but i don't need to know it's the MacGuffin of the story that is true and i'm sure if i go back and watch age of resistance i might find out what it's what that's about yeah maybe not i don't know Maybe that's one of those mysteries that we'll retain, but I don't really care that they don't tell me what it is because yeah. it's like this is just the thing. This is the the world building is so good that I don't even question that kind of a logic because it's just like yeah, yeah, that's just how things are. Yeah. So yeah, the world building is definitely my first like in this. Movie. Yeah, absolutely incredible. What's your second like? My second like would be you know I'm a sucker for dogs. There's not a dog in this movie. Well, there is kind of a dog. <laughs> that's not a dog. It's a. <laughs> It's a Tribble with eyes. <laughs> with a lot of teeth. Yes. Well, Tribble probably have teeth. But anyway. <laughs> I just like this character. Kira's uh, pet companion. What is his name? Fizzgig. Fizzgig. I'm surprised uh, he had his own voice actor. Yes. It's like, <laughs> good night. You predated Alan Tudyk by a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but Fizzgig would be like, he's just like, he's, he's. He's not a dog, but he acts like a dog. He's essentially a dog. He's essentially a dog. In the same way that Gelflings are essentially humans, except our women don't have wings. That is true. Shame, actually. Yep. <laughs> true. But, um, hey, some women are angelic. Moving on. <laughs> but either Fizzgig, I just love this character, because like the first time you see him, he scares you to death. Because he's like, he's like Nan's best friend, but... Yeah, like he's like he's Gelfling's best friend. He's Gelfling's best friend, but he doesn't really like our main character at first. <laughs> well, he doesn't like anybody except Kara for the first. He's, he's the he is the the guard dog. He's the, yeah, he's the guardian. guardian. He's keeping Kira safe. Yes, he has to get used to you before he's like jumping all over you and licking you in the face, or in his case, mauling your face off. That too. With that, just <laughs> hey, he didn't maul Agra. When she picked him up out of the, the that the is tube, true. Oh my gosh! Tube. Yes. Oh my gosh! But Fizzgig is just like he's just this really really cool character design. Uh, the 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 point where uh, Kira and what is our main character's name again? Jen. Jen. Thank you. Are you know going to leave? Going to leave? And just like Kira's like no no, no Fizzgig just stay here. He's like ah, just makes has his fist makes a, a hissy fit about it. <laughs> it's like okay, that's hilarious. <laughs> That is absolutely hilarious to me. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay, you can come. And just, boop. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's mm-hmm. funny. So, yeah, Fizzgig is just like, he, he's not number one dog, obviously, because he's not a dog. But just like little companion, you know, like companion, like really, really cool. Even though the, he doesn't do a lot, 
It's just like animatronic character wise, really cool. Just like his personality, even though he doesn't have I don't like. I think he's animatronic. I think he's a hand puppet. Yeah. Now you're right. He's probably a hand puppet. He's more than likely a hand puppet. Yeah, he's just just dragged around. But I just really enjoy the character. So yeah, Fizzgig. All right. My number two is the design of the uh, planetarium device in oh, yeah. Agra's uh, lab, for lack of a better yes. term. Mm-hmm. That thing had to have taken them forever to build and make work. Because even if it's not motorized, yeah. even if it's someone, you know, them turning it somewhere off screen, like a crank or something. Yeah. There's a lot of machinery that had to go in to make all of that work and never hit each other. That is true. And I th- that is probably the most impressive thing to me in the entire movie mm-hmm. is this big giant machine that moves with such precision. I mean, I mean, admittedly, there's not a whole lot of movement, but there's still a lot of movement on mm-hmm. it also. It's, it just amazes me how much, how precise that is. Yeah. And I, I really like that. Cool. What's your third like? My third like. It's kind of funny. It's kind of funny. I, I know we've talked about this previously. The uh, the death of the emperor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the the fact that originally it was spoken in a different language. Yes. And so Jim Henson had a rewrite done for it actually to have a a intelligible English dialogue. And for some reason, I find now understanding that better. I actually find all the dialogue in the very funny. Definitely when the emperor finally kicks the bucket. It's like, I am still your emperor. Which strangely <laughs> sounds like Gonzo. It does sound except like Except <laughs> it's not the same guy. It does sound like Gonzo, like like you said before, like previously. It's like no wonder they wouldn't have gone. Well, I was <laughs> It sounds like first season Gonzo is what it sounds like, but oh, I can't yeah. even find. I, I in the short amount of time I did uh, research research. Thank you. I could not find who the first voice of Gonzo was because I know there was a change partway through that, and it could have been him because they change stuff all the time. I mean, Frank Oz wasn't the first voice of Miss Piggy either. Yeah, really. Yeah, he the if you, the first couple episodes of Miss Piggy in it, she's got kind of a more deeper. Haughty voice. Oh, so it's not like it, like a, like a sub, like cut. not the. It, she's div, more diva-ish. Oh, more diva-ish. Even more diva. Yes. <laughs> ah, well, more of a different kind of diva. Ah, gotcha. It's not the high pitched, and I can't even do it, Miss Piggy. That's the problem. <laughs> I get. I just went straight into my Mickey Mouse. This doesn't work. Anyway. Oh boy. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. That's Alpha Five. Moving on. Boy, I did not expect to go into Power Rangers this week. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> but the the fact that now knowing that this was originally a different language, and they had to go back and uh, make it where the lip flap works with the with, yes. the, with the language, I well, just found that hilarious. We will get into my, more of that minus, in a minute. Minus minus the 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 one character, his little the. I'm halfway expecting you to do it anyway. Push oh. the button. <laughs> wasn't I wasn't following. I'm sorry. Not even on that screen. Oh, come on. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because that's a part of the original audio. Yeah. So that's the first thing you hear in this movie. It's like besides the uh, mm. it's like and like like you said before, we'll get to that later, but 
oh my gosh it's like whoa okay and it's like they're they're putting this audio with this you know the lip flap and i just find it really funny now definitely yeah. with the emperor like the first emperor kicks the bucket <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. I'm still the emperor. <laughs> it's like, boy, there's a fun last word. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, Gonzo, am still the emperor. <laughs> I'm sorry, it sounds like Gonzo's voice. It does. Anyway. <sighs> yes, that's my third like, is the, the, the understanding that this was... The Skeksis Skeksis were dubbed over from their original uh, un the Mystics. I think technically were too. Yeah, they were. They were. It's just, there was a lot of reworks, but it's just, I find it incredibly funny that there the uh, the amount of work that it was really great. I just find it kind of funny. <laughs> so that's my number three. My third like. <laughs> my third like is. Um, the podling. So the potatoes. Yes, the potato people. Yes. Or as we call them in Final Fantasy XIV, Lalafell. Anyway. <laughs> really, we call the Lalafell potatoes, but... Ah. Anyway, uh, these are very much definitely <laughs> just the generic peasants yes. of this world. Yes, they are. But at the same time, I look at them and go, Boy, you things <laughs> mm -hmm. have had a hard life, and you just kind of let everyone roll over on top of you, don't you? <laughs> They, they are the extras anytime they need an extra on screen, but I think they work for that. And I swear I have seen those character designs for the podlings in something else. All right. But I can't place where that is. So I, I like the use of them. It, it at least gave this world a feeling that there was more than just Skeksis Mystics and two Gelflings. Yeah. Which is... The primary cast. Agreed. Even though the podlings never speak a, 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 one letter of English. That is true. But, uh, yeah. And, and plus, those were the most Muppety mm -hmm. of all of the characters. If Agreed. You get to that party that they had, you know, right before the giant Beetleborgs attack. Yes. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, this looks like a scene out of the Muppet show. It does. Look, there's even a guy up there playing banjo. <laughs> And he kind of looks like Jim Henson, <laughs> just like on the Muppet show. <laughs> but so, yeah, I appreciate that. It, it tickled that Muppet bone. I gotcha. That's in me. So I appreciate it. I gotcha. It sounded bad. But anyway, <laughs> uh, we should get into our dislikes. All right. So before we get that, all right, to kind of, we've kind of thrown a theme in here <laughs> for some reason. I don't know why, but okay. So back to action. <laughs> so what is our dislikes? <laughs> This movie is more phenomenal. More <laughs> puppet nominal. Oh, and if I could remember what the other word Billy used all the time was, which also Izzy from Digimon used. <laughs> prodigious. Prodigious. It was, it was very prodigious. prodigious. Anyway, my first dislike of this film, if you don't mind me getting into Go it. Go for it. I hate the stilted dialogue in this film for most of this film. Yes. And it, I know why it's there. And it was one of the things where I listened to it and I, I couldn't tell what it was at first. Cause it's like, it, you, it felt like it was, there was something off about it. It wasn't natural talking. And I, it took until I was reading the trivia on it. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was set, doing my research for the episode that I finally realized why the dialogue in some places, especially around the Skeksis, sounded so weird and so stilted. 
And that's because it was a dub. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> it was supposed to be uh, in a whole other language, and you were supposed to pay attention to it, but not you didn't need to understand what was yeah. being said. It was supposed to be implied. It was supposed to be implied. Problem is, that requires people to pay attention to your movie, and, and kids even more so, and I can see how the very, especially during the very beginning of this movie, mm -hmm. how that would be a bit, shall we say, tough for some children of our yes. age. Because, gotta remember, this is our generation that would yes. have grown up on this. Agreed. And, uh, yeah, there's just not a lot happening in the, in the beginning of this movie for, for kids to really grasp onto and really get attached to before they're bored and off playing with their toys in the other room. Agreed. Especially when you don't understand what they're saying. Yeah. And especially that opening scene, because apparently the narration wasn't there in the beginning either. It was just, can you imagine walking in, watching this movie, and you hear nothing in that intro, but you're still staring at all these people staring into purple light, staring into the crystal, and you're going... And there's not a weird. There's no English. There's no. There's nothing. There's under, no sound. Yeah. And then it strangely goes to these other creatures who are also, there's no narration over this. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing them doing all this mystical oh. movement stuff, Eastern religion, oh. court sort of stuff. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, one just goes, oh. 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 It's like, mommy, I'm frightened. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> and the other, yeah, the skepticism was like, and then, the, and then the first audio you act first. Yes, <laughs> you hear is. <laughs> it's like, and then you still don't get any lines in English. No, you because you know that the next line in English, which is the general saying, "I hate your whining," is going to be us like <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> This is very bad Klingon. <laughs> very bad Klingon. <laughs> Wash your mouth out with soap, man. Come well, on. That was a Klingon curse. Okay. You know what it was? What? Your mother has a smooth forehead. <laughs> Ouch. That's an insult. For the Klingons, yes. yes. Anyway, probably for Skeksis also, for being honest. Yeah, that's true. Even though there's not much gender between the Skeksis. But anyway. Uh, yeah. Or the mystics, for that matter. That's true. But, I mean, they the fact that they went in and redubbed this is not the bad part. It's the fact that they did not think of it ahead of time. No. That, who is this movie being made for? What do they need to understand what's going on in the movie? Yeah. I'm not saying you have to handhold it, but you have to admit, going into a kid's movie and having either no dialogue or almost no dialogue and almost no real movement is a very risky thing agreed and i can only think of one movie that really pulled it off and it was a pixar movie wall-e really first half of the hour movie there is virtually it's just wall-e is the only character in the movie yeah he beeps every once in a while he's kind of humming to himself or talking to his little cricket friend but it's still in you know robot beeps yeah you the only english you actually hear in the movie is from when he's watching old movies Okay. Went back when he's back at his little charging station. Yeah. And for the first half hour of the movie, that's all there is. It's the only movie I can think that did it successfully, or A, did it, period, yeah. and did it successfully. So I have to wonder, and that one, you still have a lot of movement. You still have a lot of things going on. Right. 
this, you don't have that much going on before the, the emperor dies. That which is, is true. really what sets the story off. Right. And that's at least a good 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I can just imagine, I can imagine myself without that, without that narration at the very least going, no, it's gone. Everything is weird. And I would, still, but admittedly, it would make me pay attention to what's going yes. on. And I could maybe f- understand kind of what's happening, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know why they're staring, why, why this one group is staring at a crystal and this other group is yelling, is making loud hums mm-hmm. for the world. And then you see the Gelfling. It's like, well, hello, Frodo. How are you? Which the Gelfling is completely naked in that scene. Yes. <laughs> I was like, Hinson, what you, in the world? The first time you see the character. Oh, hi, I'm bathing. Yeah. But I'm not just bathing. I'm reaching down into the into the river beneath me, and I'm about to pull up my pipe, but you don't know what it's what it is. <laughs> uh, apparently, Henson. I just thought too th- much about that scene. I'll admit. Yes, apparently. So apparently, Jim Henson just thought it, like loves he was the, making an art piece. Yeah, it's an art he piece. He he bought into this concept of we'll make this big artistic movie. I have nothing against artistic movies. Do Absolutely. not get me wrong. Right. But he had. But he had, I think he got tunnel vision on this passion project of his and hadn't made the connection of how this is going to look until the first test audience. And at that point, all he could do to fix the film was was, re- was redub the lines. It's like, and, and do your best to have the dialogue match mouth movements that are matching words that are not in the English uh, pattern. Rhythm. Rhythm. Rhythm is the word I'm looking for. And I think that's where the problem lies. Okay. And I and I don't like that about the way the dialogue is handled at the at, uh, any with the, in, in those scenes where yeah. it's obvious the scene had to be redubbed into English. Yeah, completely agree. So yeah, that's my first dislike. What's your first dislike? My first dislike would be I want to call them wise men, but they're not wise men. The mystics. The mystics. Thank you. The mystics leader who is Jin's you know adopted father. Mm-hmm. I suspect Man, he was actually speaking in English in the original. I would presume movie. so, because he's talking with Jen. Yeah. This guy is a terrible... I mean, like, yes, I understand you are in your deathbed, but, like, tell the kid something he needs to know and to be like, oh, go follow this person. Go find this person to the third son. That's well, all you gotta do. Well, he admitted he should have told him yeah, all I, this I stuff sooner. Yes, agree. But he didn't, because he... I, I assume the character was afraid of his... What he, uh, person he viewed as his son yeah. growing up too fast. Yeah. I can understand that. But at the same time, he's the one who's going to have to do this and he's recognized it's too late and he doesn't have Agreed. a whole lot of time to tell him. Yeah. Which is why he has to keep stopping Jen from actually asking the only questions that Jen exactly going to ask that were going to make sense. Yes. Agreed. And just, just, oh my gosh, there are so many things. It's like, I understand it's more be like the, the hero's quest. I totally get that. Yeah, but it's just more. You apparently a deleted scene. One of the other followers of the mystics was like tells Jin like everything he needs to know, like everything you need to find the dark crystal. You need to find the shard. Go here. She'll have this crystal. <laughs> Which, if that scene was deleted, the fact that well, we'll get into that in my second dislike. Yes, this will be like okay, dude. I understand you are this wise mystic. And you're 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 of the earth, and you're of humming, and you know kumbaya and everything. But you could have told the kid something yeah. <laughs> other than you know go go find you know uh, go find Agra, go find after, Agra after following the third son for a day, yeah, or whatever the actual line was. Yeah, 
She will tell you what to do. Yeah. And apparently Agra has no idea what to do either. Agra doesn't even know who Jen is. <laughs> She's surprised that a gelfling showed up. So yeah. She doesn't even know the prophecy. No, she doesn't. So it's like, why are we going here to tell her, talk to her? She knows nothing. She oh, just knows, oh, one of these crystals is the shard. Oh, no, no, no. It's, it's not that. It's more like, oh, you want crystal? Here, crystal. Here, here's crystals. Shh. <laughs> Which one is it? You'll have to choose. It's like, I don't know. No crystal. No knots. <laughs> it's like, you know, you know what? If it were me, I'd, I'd open up that little knapsack he was carrying in, and I'd just start <laughs> shoving crystals in. I'll figure it out when I get there, because I don't have time to figure it out now. You're even saying, you don't have time to choose. Pick one. It's like, pressure much? <laughs> just a little bit. But yeah, it's like, uh, Jin is just, he's this poor little kid, which I'll, I'll get to him in a little bit. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I have a feeling our number twos are going to be the same. <laughs> Probably. Oh my gosh! But yeah, this this kid is literally thrust into the world. He's he's a Luke Skywalker, but Luke Skywalker has a little more information than Jin does. Luke Skywalker at least knew save the princess. Yeah. From uh, first find someone named Obi Wan. Uh huh. And then Obi Wan knew enough to tell him we need to go save this princess. Yes. And then he. The princess says, we need to go to Yavin 4 so you can go be the hero and go blow up the Death Star, Star. with the thing with the plans hidden in this R2 unit. Mm -hmm. There is a logical flight plan through uh -huh. all that, even if Luke didn't know what the entire process was. Yeah. In this one, you've got one guy who knows more than he's telling, telling you to go to a, a an old woman who knows nothing. Thing. Yeah. Except I have the crystal. I don't know what to do with it or what you're supposed to do, do with, with it. it. But I got the crystal. And he says, well, now where am I supposed to go? Oh, crud. How about away from the giant beetleborgs? <laughs> Very true. So it's, 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 it's. And all of a sudden, oh, look, a gal. Yeah, a gal. <laughs> it's like, well, where, where should we go? I don't, how about we go eat with my people? Okay, we'll go do that. It's like, okay, what are we supposed to do from here, guys? We don't know. And they, they, stum they stumble oh. across the prophecy. Oh, no, <laughs> the Beetleborgs are back. Get on the giant, long-legged animals <laughs> and run <laughs> for your lives. <laughs> and all of a sudden, oh, look, we have accidentally found the home of the Gelflings. <laughs> There's the prophecy. What do we got to do? We got to go to the Dark Crystal. What's well, a good thing? It's just right there. <laughs> <laughs> what if it had been on the other side of the world and you'd been going the wrong direction for days? <laughs> Awfully convenient. <laughs> yes, looks slightly awfully convenient. And admittedly, it sounds like I'm bashing this part of the story. It doesn't bother me while I'm watching. Right. I'm just having fun with this. Right. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like uh, Jin is he is he is lost he is one lost gelfling. And it like it's like he's like well, he's, he's sent on the journey, be like, oh be like you're 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 part of the prophecy. He doesn't tell him the prophecy. It, it's it's not like uh Luke's uncle, who's afraid to tell him about Ben Kenobi. Yeah. It's just more like, oh, I should have told you this sooner, but now I'm dying, and, and I, don't I don't spit it out. And I don't have time to say, you need to heal the dark crystal. So, What's the dark crystal? So, You'll know when you get there. <laughs> he, he doesn't even know about the dark crystal. No, he doesn't. Until the prophecy. He just knows he's supposed to get this crystal shard, and then what? <laughs> Yeah, that's it. It's, it's just be like, three, oh, three, go go find the shard. Three that's quarters it. of the movie, he doesn't even know what the shard is Ew. for. <laughs> he doesn't even know there is a dark crystal. No. We know it because it's in the first couple seconds of the movie. Yeah. 
while the Skeksis are doing their ritual to make themselves young, yeah. their emperor lies dying. It proves it gives no comfort. <laughs> what the crap is this? <laughs> anyway. So yes, my, my, my first dislike is like, yes, Jin is lost as a, uh, a gelfling duck. <laughs> well, we've sashayed into my second dislike. <laughs> Go for it. Because Jin is an idiot. Agree, he's an idiot. And I don't mean it's like he wasn't given enough information. Right. Even though he wasn't. <laughs> True. But even his thinking process is like, well, what am I supposed to do now? Or that, that line I, was, I said earlier, wait a minute, you have wings. Well, of course I've got wings. Well, I don't have wings. wings. That's because you're not a girl. <laughs> it's like, okay, sexual dimorphism. Moving on. Yes. It's like, <laughs> you don't need wings. <laughs> and then I, my, the one that bugs me the most, he's climbing Agra's hill. Yes. For lack of a better term. Oh, Agra. Ugh. And you've got the actor, the voice actor going, I don't even know why I'm here. I don't know how, what's going on. I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't even know if I'm going in the right direction. What if Agra's going to eat me? Why would she eat a gelfling? What makes you... Th I know you're acting out of fear and you're nervous and you don't know what's going on and you're completely lost. You just shut up. <laughs> just go. Go to the th go up to her lab and knock on the door. You'll find out what's happening. <laughs> he likes to complain. <laughs> yes, he loves to complain. And but, but, he doesn't stop even... He won't even stop complaining when Kira's around him. It's just, oh, we're floating along in a boat. And all of a sudden... It's like, uh, guys, you're being chased. I recognize the boat's only going to go so fast, but you might want to get a move on. Yeah. You might not want to, I don't you know, know you're being signal pursued. your position for the enemy to find. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's a thing. It's not like he doesn't know. They just got raided by the big bad Beetleborgs twice. <laughs> Yes, oh I, I just keep bringing up one of the <laughs> yes. worst shows Saban actually made, which is saying something. Yes, that is so true. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> my number two kind of follows that exact same turn. How did the big bad Beetleborgs know where Jen is? It's like they pop up just everywhere. Where, like one, they they first off, despite the, f I'll, I'll say this. This okay. is my assumption. Despite the fact we only ever see three of them, yeah. total, total. I'm guessing there's a lot more that they didn't have enough costumes for, and they kind of just, you know, carpet bombed every village <laughs> within a five mile radius, probably or ten mile, fifty mile radius. We'll yeah. say. I suspect that's what happened. Right. And when they found the first one, well, they probably sent the first one to Augrizler because yeah. Hey, she's the ancient mystic from from when all this happened. I bet she knows where. All this is, so we'll go bomb her place. Well, we know the gel these Gelfling, we, a Gelfling was spotted there. So somewhere between the castle and Augur's place, maybe more Gelflings, send all the giant big bad beetle boys <laughs> down this line. Because obviously they have to be here. Why do they all, my bigger question is, why don't we see more of them chasing them all the time? That is true. Because there's only a one corridor they could probably be going down. That is true. Especially towards the Gelfling Wings. village ruins. <laughs> That is true. Which they never, we never see the big bad Beetleborgs there, I don't believe. No, we don't. But anyway. Yes. Some logical it, inconsistencies. Yes, agreed. It was just more. Once again, you don't think of these things while you're watching the movie. No, you don't. We're thinking of these things because we have to come up with dislikes. Yes. It was just more like, when I'm watching this, it's like, 
It's like, okay, is is Jim playing his flute the entire time? Is he drawing the big bad beetleborgs to him the entire time? If if so, be like, Jim, drop the flute. I said that earlier. <laughs> and actually, while we're on the subject of the flute, my third dislike. <laughs> All right. The poorly done animatronics of Jen playing the flute. <laughs> I don't know who designed the animatronics for this, but they should have at least gone and talked to the Walt Disney Corporation. Because I'm fairly certain at this time, their animatronics were a lot better than this. I mean, they, you're not even animating uh, Jen's head during the scene. No, he you're is, not. You can tell he's got a board up the armhole of the puppet. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, yes. There's something that they're holding him upright. And they've got this little, and and you have this very robotic. It's like big movements, and they're fast. It's like those are obviously hydraulics. No, no, uh, biological hand moves that fast in those sharp movements. Yes, exactly. Or has the chuddering start as it goes. Animatronic, hydraulics, come on, people. Good night. This is only ten years out from Jurassic Park. You think they had? You think the animatronics were getting better at this point? Well, at that at that point, they were. But like this was like state of the art at the time. Yes, but I, I'm saying these are not as state of the art as they could have been. That, that's debatable. But I understand I, your point. I, I understand your point. Great Muppet Caper. Some of yes. the. Uh, some of those Muppets, yeah. especially I think during the bike scene. Okay. I'm fairly certain used animatronics. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I see your point now. If they can do it while on moving bicycles. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Get you. Get you. Get and a couple other locations where, you know, but there's also part of me that has to wonder, okay, why do you, uh, even if you take out the fact that he's got, they got to hold the, the body up straight because you probably can't fit three people under there for him to do the flute. Yeah. Why don't you have the little marionette arms coming up and then having maybe something else inside twisting that will move the fingers up and down. Yeah. For it's more natural and not so robotic. That's what, that's the part that annoys me. Okay. So, I mean, it, it, it's the thing that popped out at me, but at the same time while watching the movie, it's like, eh, was what it was. Agreed. Agreed. So my third and final dislike of this film would be okay. So we have all these very expressive characters. Mm-hmm. The you know you have the and I'm drawing a blank. I hate that. You're drawing a blank. Yes, I'm drawing a blank. I'm literally drawing a blank character on a piece of paper. No. <laughs> well, as an artist, you have the capabilities of physically drawing a blank. Like, that is true. Yeah. Click. Nothing in chamber. Darn it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> No, but you you have like uh, your 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 main antagonist, the what are they called again? Skeksis. Skeksis. The Skeksis. The the the, the mystics. The mystics and the all flings and the podlings and big bad beetleborgs because I don't remember their actual yes. name. Okay, so Girathim. 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 So you have all these characters who have very like nice expressions and the great movement and everything, except for the Gelfling. The guilt. I'd be like, I understand. Be like, you're dealing primarily. These are like puppet puppets. Yes. And they're 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 uh, they're dolls. And you can definitely tell they're mo- they're dolls because their face. Because they are, don't move. These <laughs> except for their are, eyebrows. These their are, eyes. And they blink. The Gelflings are probably the worst of the constructed puppets. Yes. I would say probably that. Jim Henson ever made. Not because they're badly made, but no. because the designs 
that they came up with them required such small faces, but still have, they're still trying to hit that human. Yeah, exactly. They're supposed to essentially be this world's humans. Yeah. They're they're like a halfling. The only other puppet I can think of that has the same problem is, uh, the spirit of Christmas past in uh, Muppet Christmas Carol because of how human they tried to make that one. Agreed. It's got kind of the same problem, but because yeah. they, they didn't use the, they use a slightly more advanced form of the, the baby, the puppet baby face they Muppets use sometimes. Yeah. But in this one, you've got this much more, uh, it's not a fat face, it's a skinny face. So you only have like so much room to get your fingers up in there. Exactly. To operate it. And so you can't put much other stuff in there to, animate all this other stuff. Even Jim Henson had a problem with that. Oh yeah. I can imagine he did. Yeah. Cause it'd be like, he's, he's trying to get his very large, he's a very large hand man mm-hmm. and he's trying to get his hand to itty be a little head. Yeah. And so it'd be like, you, you're and, all this limited and your, animation. And your first face. thought is the Skeksis would have the same problem yeah. because they have such a skinny head, but you got to remember that they have a long beak mm-hmm. so they can kind of get up there and get a better hold of it. And plus they're, the head is generally a larger size than, mm-hmm. The Gelflings is the Gelfling head is very small in exactly. comparison to a person's hand. Yeah. So they probably had a hard enough time getting in there and probably could just barely do any emoting with, with, uh, yeah, exactly. with the hands than what they could. And I'm sure they use some miniature animatronics in some of those, but you know, even that, even if it's remote controlled, is still going to be awkward. Yeah. So you just it's... don't have enough room in there to get enough of the visual, uh, gadgetry to make that work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's more their their facial expression is very limited, and definitely how they like as a puppet, the Gelflings are very stiff, like very stiff, and so that's like it's a very much a complaint. It, it's not a. It would it would be a different story if the Gelflings had more meat on their in their design. Yeah, but these are very elf like creatures, mm-hmm. and of the old style kind of fairy ish elves, mm-hmm. not the Tolkien elves. Yeah, obviously. So they don't have much to work with. In fact, it might have been easier, I think, maybe, to have animated them strictly as marionettes instead of having the puppet. But then you couldn't get the mouth movements as good as one would Very true. So I don't know. I don't really know if there's a good answer to this other than redesign the puppets so that they're bigger. Yeah. But then they would be out of proportion with everything else. And you have to redesign everything else. There's not actually a good answer to that question. No, there's not. Now, granted, be like, like, just purely... it, aesthetics, they look good. Yeah. It's just the mechanics of them. It's just it's like so rigid and just stiff. Yeah. And it was, just, uh, unless you get the, like the running scenes where Jin is running it, obviously it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a person small person in a suit. It's a small person in a suit. I think it was deep Roy, deep Roy, deep Roy. I think okay. he was, he's in the cast list oh, as okay. a additional performer. Oh, okay. I think it had to have been him. Cause he's okay. the one who played all the Oompa Loompas in the, Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, that, yeah. uh, and he's on Star Trek 2009. That's cabbage right. Cabbage Head. Yeah, God. Cabbage Head guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember that that thing's name. Get down here. Yeah, look him. at me. You look a bean. Him, yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah. It's, I think that had, it was, they, they had a lot of people in there, but Deep Roy was one of the people. Deep Roy had been about the right size, even though he's not skinny enough, even then. Yeah. But uh, they could have had somebody else in there, too. You never know. It was just the the Gelfling the aesthetically designed was great, just functionally was just maybe they had a limitation of what they could do. Like they had a small character, but they couldn't make him any larger. Or you know, obviously both characters, but it just functionally it was aggravating watching these characters move. 
I am. This is actually something that makes me want to jump into Age of Resistance a little faster in case there are Gelflings in mm-hmm. that because it's still the same puppetry. Yeah, it's still Henson Associates doing all of it. Yeah, and are not. It's actually Jim Henson Productions now. Yeah, but uh, I'm curious if there are, if there are Gelflings in that show if they are done differently or maybe just because of the way things have changed now if maybe they an- they can actually put animatronic parts in there so they can operate the mouths by remote yeah, yeah. which make make it mo- work smoother i don't know but mm. then i don't know any gelflings in the show because i have intentionally not paid attention to it until i get a chance to sit down and watch the show yeah yep that's my third all right which brings us to the end of this episode <laughs> which means we need to talk about uh, we need to uh rate it rate this one i'm giving it an eight believe oh. it or not oh wow I know it sounds like throughout all three of my dislikes that I just hated this movie, but I actually enjoyed it quite a lot. I still would suggest people watch this. These Most of the dislikes I came up with, with the exception of the stilted dialogue, I had to think about after the fact. Mm. I had to put some thought into it. I was like, well, what really didn't work in this movie? Because during the course of this movie, the number, my second and third just did not hit me. Yeah. But except for maybe a little bit of the robotic movement, but mm-hmm. in this, even the stiltedness of the dialogue, I watch dubbed anime all the time. This is not that much worse. Yeah, agree. In reality, so it doesn't really bug me. It's just something that stood out. Yeah. So yeah, I'm definitely giving this an eight. Uh, I'm going with a seven point five. There again, that's not a bad score for this film. Be like, it's an excellent film. Creativity is out, just like stratosphere. World building, character design, everything in this movie. Definitely for a, a Jim Henson production film from 1982 is amazing. Mm-hmm. There's just so many little big bad Beetleborg problems with the movie. <laughs> it's just annoying as can be. <laughs> and I, don't get me wrong, it's a great film. It's just got, like I said, big bad Beetleborg problems. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, would would I go back and watch this? Yes. Maybe a later, later date. Uh, would I, would I recommend lo- it? Yes. I would love to see the original cut of this with the... Uh, oh, it's interesting. Let's say that. I know it's on the Blu-ray. I need yes. to go check. Or at least yes. parts of it are on the Blu-ray. I don't think it's actually... You can't actually watch it. No, it's like the... Thing, but you can see the, the scenes as yeah, they originally the, were. The funeral scene is is yeah. a, a, completely there. I, I, wanna, I do want to go back and watch that. But, yeah. Uh, I, that would be curious... So that brings us yes. to the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. So we need to talk about our next episode. Yes. So our next episode, because I'm going to be out of town, we're going to be releasing one of our final uh, Looney Virus episodes mm-hmm. that we recorded in case lockdown had to occur, which thankfully has not happened. Amen to that. And uh, we are, so we're next the next time this comes out, we're going to be releasing a uh, Duck Dodgers in the 24th and a half century. Oh, father. Winnie the Pooh is not in that. I was trying to do it. Right. I know you were trying to do your young space cadet, a.k.a. Porky Pig. <laughs> yeah. But he does. That would be like, oh, dear. Oh, dear. Something like that. Anyway. But after that, after that, yes, we are going to review something about. Hot about dogs. a, a uh, well, I'll give you a hint. You know already, but I've been recording, I've been streaming me playing uh, through this character's games for the past couple weeks. Yes, 
uh, at least some of them. And I just started his technically newest release, even though it's an HD remix remake of a previous game he put, they put out. Yes. Uh, we are going to be reviewing last year's mm-hmm. pre-COVID blockbuster, <laughs> Sonic the, the Hedgehog. <laughs> so uh, get your chili dogs and uh, we'll enjoy this thing. Go pick up those rings. Come, Jacob. We must prepare for next week. Prepare for what, Drew? Same thing we do every week, Jacob. Record a podcast. Oh, boy. So where can they find you, Jacob? You can find me on Facebook at Jacob B. Heron. Also on Facebook at Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where I try to draw each and every day. I don't get to it as often as I like, but uh, join me there. Also, you can find me on Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. On Twitter at Jacob Heron and Letterbox at Jacob Heron. So where can they find you, Drew? You can also follow me on Letterbox at GGeorge759, Facebook as Drew Dodgen, uh, my Facebook page where you can see pictures I've taken at Drew's Photo Bin. You can also follow me on Twitter at GGeorge759. You can email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at cast underscore cell. You can follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thecellcastgaming. You can also follow us on YouTube at Cellcast. Listen to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and your favorite podcast directory. You can also listen to us on the Movie of the Week podcast with Jim Heron, where we talk about live-action movies. And remember, Cell is a single single L. L.